unlocking what was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. has been found and is being brought to justice for his crimes in the Flower Kingdom. Finally, Neil, it's about time that we see some justice uh, to Navit. But we're live. We're mm-hmm. live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really glad the Mushroom Kingdom are finally cleaning up their crimes. But uh, one thing that the Mushroom Kingdom is not cleaning up are garage sale signs. And I mm-hmm. I, I don't like signs in general in uh, in public places, like homemade signs for things, unless it's like a bake sale or something like that's fine. Sure. But gar- garage sale signs, sometimes they're up like and it just says garage sale Saturday. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Yep. See, I think there should be a law. Well, first, actually, before I address this, I, I, I do want to now address who in the Mushroom Kingdom is having the most yard sales going on. I feel like Wario and Waluigi got to be selling a lot of their stuff. They, they oh, just... it's not their stuff, Mike. They're just like, <laughs> they're they're taking garbage from like, you know, like someone's throwing away like a lamp and a couch. They're the people who take that stuff and then sell it. I love that. I can see that. 100% happening or Bowser yeah. selling all the pillaged items from the different kingdoms he's sure. he's been to. But yeah, I, I notice this all the time, especially in my area of Toronto. I'll be walking around. We often will see some garage sales that are near us. I love going garage sailing in uh, the, the summer, uh, of course. Also in the fall is, is nice too. But um, uh, so many times I'll see garage sale Saturday, no date. Uh, I'll also right. see garage sale signs up uh, and then I'll say Saturday, but then I'll see the date kind of lower down. I get excited and then I realize the date was like two months ago. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm all for a law here that says that you can't have your garage sale sign up in public for more than a month. I, I agree. Uh, uh, more than a month. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like you by be. the next weekend, we're coming to your house <laughs> and we're taking all of your stuff. Um, yeah, I agree. I, some of the signs too, it's like they've been like up, like stuck to that uh, post for like months and it's like the rain has stuck it to the wall. Like half of the sign is missing. It just says Gar say, and it's like half a date. It might, it might Sometimes they list like, you know, we've got toys, we've got these. It's like, that's never actually like gotten me to go. Maybe when I become like a parent or something, that'll be different when I see toys and, and houseware and baby things on a garage sale sign maybe that will entice me to go but i feel like most garage sales when you go it's a table of things it's like a tube tv and a bunch of plants and lamps with no uh, no shade famously yep. that's what most garage sales are but occasionally you do find video games at them uh it's been a while since i've been garage sailing maybe we'll have to get into that next summer a type of sign that should be just straight up illegal regardless of how long it's been since the event are election signs though I hate election signs so damn much. And there's an election going on in uh, in Scarborough, which is just outside of Toronto. And there are signs all over the damn place. And I drive around Scarborough for my job, Mike. And there's a grocery store that I drove past today. Uh, and I counted for one uh, for one nominee or one uh, candidate. campaign for candidate. Thank you. Uh, for one candidate, I counted 26 signs <laughs> in front of one grocery store because i just drove along i was just counting i probably could have crashed my car <laughs> um but i was like one two three and then there's like six on each boulevard and then just like 15 in between that so 26 uh signs for for one candidate and i i hate them like they should be they, they should be fined for every one that's up after an election but they they should be fined also for like it's just such a waste of damn money and it doesn't do me any good to know like all these people's names uh, Neil, it's even worse than the U.S. So, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, for well, most of our listeners are actually American listeners. We love that seventy percent, I think, 
are from the U.S. of A. And I have noticed every time I go down there, if there is an election on for something, if the midterms are going on, it is crazy because not only do they elect, you know, their representatives and stuff, but they also elect everybody. You know, there's the judge, mm-hmm. there's the trustee boards. Everyone's fighting with each other for uh, for elections. My, my family, uh, some of my family lives in California. They'll show me the big book that they get showing all the people who are running for all the different uh, different positions. That is way too much. So I don't think they, yeah. they put up as much signs though as, as here sometimes because, yeah, it, it gets a little ridiculous. And uh, especially with the mayoral election that happened earlier this year in Toronto where there's like hundreds of candidates, everyone putting up their, their signs. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I like I, I like seeing people who run for multiple elections. Like there's this one guy <laughs> that I've seen where, yeah, we had our Toronto city election a few months ago. There was also... There was something else. It might have been city councilor or something. And now there's another city councilor going on in Scarborough. And this same guy keeps running in all the elections. It's like clearly like vote for mayor. No, vote for me for city councilor. No, vote for me for that's like you need to pick a lane. <laughs> this guy needs to pick a lane. But uh, yeah, his he, this is the guy that I'm talking about, too. His signs were all over that uh, that grocery store. But I just like taking them. I, I don't start taking them out of the ground like months before the election even happens. Just start ripping them out and throwing them away because. No one else is doing it, so I, I might as well be the one to uh, to do that. But, Mike, i got to ask you, it's been a while since we've talked about uh, the games that we've been playing on a weekly basis. Um, it's probably maybe since the summertime or something. I forget now. So what have you been playing recently? What games are on your Switch and PS5? Oh, yeah, my PS5. And you, i got to congratulate you since we last talked. You have a PS5 now, too. You've joined the club of, um, of 4K mm. gaming and really large consoles. So uh, congratulations God, on that. It Thank is, you so much. It is an absolute mammoth, uh, Mike god yes. but uh, at least it's got a nice hefty <laughs> controller to go along uh with it and uh for me on my consoles uh super mario wonder of course is on top of the list um uh came out uh on the fabled october 20th a uh, great day i <laughs> uh, have been playing it loving it for sure and i can't wait to to play more of it i was playing the last of us a lot this past couple of weeks neil because mm. it's almost as if we're going to be talking about it today ah. wow uh so that has been fixture in my home for sure playing the remastered version i have that digitally as well as physically you have the physical copy that i let you borrow uh i got hitman one the steelbook uh edition of it for an absolute steal on ebay of just bidding just for fun i'm like i probably won't get this for 16 dollars, and sure enough (laughs) i did so now i own hitman one i gotta play that soon too whenever i i'm i'm feeling that i really don't like my life i'll play nhl 24 so i can just get angry (laughs) at how bad this game is luckily i i played that for for basically free as well having that ea subscription uh which is a great way to do it uh dark souls 2 scholar of the first sin which i had never actually played that version of dark souls 2 that's basically like the last of us remastered kind of thing came out on ps3 quite late so then they made a ps4 version uh less than a year after and they did actually change quite a few things so i've been playing that with my friend online and i got spider-man 2 unexpectedly so i will be playing that as so at some point as well Sweet, super jealous of you there. I gotta ask about the NHL. I forgot, I forgot that you play those games still, and I didn't know that you were actually playing NHL Twenty Four. When was the last time that game was good? Uh, good question. I forget. Yeah, see, I forget what the year was. There, there's definitely like a definitive time. A lot of hockey fans say this was the last one. I, the the NHL like thirteen, fourteens, like that era weren't bad at all. Like, okay. but it's funny because. Every time one comes out, I think it's worse than the one that came before it. So I, I kind of get rose-colored glasses. Like, playing NHL 24, I was like, oh, man, like, if NHL 23 was better, actually. I kind of missed that. And if I played NHL 23, I'd probably be like, oh, NHL 22 is probably better. 
and then it'll just keep going. I mean, I hadn't played an NHL game since uh, the NHL 15, and then mm-hmm. uh, 22 was the first one I, I got again, um, and just doing it through the EA service. That is the one thing I will give EA, is having that subscription service, $5 a month. You can mm-hmm. play all their games that are a year old, like a year or more older, uh, mm-hmm. and it's great for sports games because uh, you can just play the old games and if you want to play the new ones you get a 10 hour free trial and it's just like the full game but just 10 wow. hours and that's all i need for nhl honestly i don't <laughs> want to play any more than that <laughs> yeah there's some games where like i don't need any more than 10 hours at all that's perfect yeah that, that ea are the masters at making subscription services though uh if only they would get around to uh releasing their old james bond games mm-hmm. that would be terrific ea if you are listening you're putting me to shame with the games that you're uh you're mentioning there i'm not playing nearly as many as you, but that's okay. I did pick up the PS5 about a week or two ago now, I guess. I can't remember. Time is just a circle, but I did <laughs> finally get it. It was a part of a, I guess, a Black Friday sale, even though it's not even, first of all, it's not even Thanksgiving in Canada <laughs> and it's nowhere close to Black Friday. But as most people out there know, Black Friday lasts half the year. Mm-hmm. So Amazon was having a sale. So picked up the PS5, the, the Spider-Man 2 bundle. Uh, unfortunately it came with a digital download for Spider-Man 2. So I just sold that. I was like, I, I want the physical copy. Yes. So I also have a bunch of stuff to play already anyway. So I sold the game at a pretty decent price. Um, so I'll pick it up probably around Christmas time mm-hmm. anyways. Uh, I'm ex- really excited to play Spider-Man 2. All the reviews make that game look fantastic. I'm pretty, I'm for the most part, spoiler free, I think. And it's not that hard for me since I am not on social media all that much anyway. So relatively easy there. But the games that I have been playing are, uh, I was playing Star Fox a whole bunch about a week or two ago for the Star Fox 64 episode, beat the game two or three times that week. Um, (laughs) The game is just so good. I love it. I'm mouthing all the words to every level. I'm laughing. I'm going through all the secret paths, of course. So go back and check out our Star Fox episode if you Mm. haven't already. Um, after that, I, uh, started to dabble in Majora's Mask because we're going to be covering that in December. So I started a new save file also on the Switch online service and using my beautiful N64 controller that you gave me for my 30th. Getting, getting my, uh, I'm getting your money's worth out of that that's controller. Right, yeah. You better be. <laughs> I was trying to say my money, but that's not right. So yeah, just been playing a bunch of N64 recently. And then with new stuff, uh, Mario Wonder, like you said before, got that game for my birthday at the end of October and really been enjoying it. It's, uh, I'm still pretty early in the game and you and I have been talking offline uh, about Mario games and how sometimes for me the early parts of Mario games I feel like are just like something I need to get through because the levels are really easy yep. it's teaching you the game uh, teaching you the enemies and the power-ups and how to use the the world map but I gotta say so far like I can tell it's going to be really really good later on in the game I love the UI I love navigating around the map the load screens are super fast the game is beautiful the enemy designs are perfect yeah. so um, you, you were saying it's basically the the first what was it, the first best Mario 2D game since SNES or something? I forget how you worded it, but you said it way better than I just did. Well, basically, I think my thought of it so far is that it's the, it's the most innovative 2D Mario mm. game that we've gotten since Super Mario World that I can think of. You know, every yeah. 2D Mario seems to be just a continuation on the new Super Mario Bros. The, uh, formula, almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's been pretty cool to have such a... Uh, almost, I don't want to say groundbreaking yet, but it's getting close to there. It's uh, and yeah. and Neil, you will get to some of the difficult levels 
They are they are hard. They are really oh, hard. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell that there's going to be like five or six or maybe more levels. I hope there's a lot of levels in this game, but I can already tell there's going to be a bunch of uh, throw the controller across the room levels later on. And I'm excited to get to those because yes. that's the type of Mario that I love. Pain, um, give me pain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I liked Mario, the new Mario Bros. games on yeah. like Wii and DS. They were good, but after a while, it definitely got tired. I know what you're saying. This one does feel innovative, um, and I think it's going to sell really well this Christmas. Can't wait to see like what numbers it brings in. It's going to sell like gangbusters. That's Ooh. correct. Uh, and then finally, last game that I've been playing recently um, is Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. I got yes. that uh, for my birthday as well from my brother-in-law. Um, really stoked to play it. I got the PS4 version, and luckily it comes with the PS5 upgrade for free, which is a sweet, sweet uh, mm-hmm. addition to the game that I did not know existed. So I I played the first couple of races, and so far, absolutely love it. It's basically Hot Wheels Unleashed 1 and more. Uh, they've added a few more things that the cars can do. They've added new cars, new tracks. There's even a story in this one, which there wasn't in Hot That's Wheels cool. 1. There's anime in it, Mike. Ooh. The cutscenes are anime panels with voice acting and everything. So it actually feels kind of like a DS game to me. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, at least in turn, it feels very much like a game from the 2000s. Um, it's really fun. It's really self-aware. It's goofy. but And then it just cuts into these beautiful races with amazing looking tracks, amazing environments. Um, I love the racing mechanics in the Hot Wheels game. I know a lot of people don't like it because it feels floaty and the cars drift super easy and they even flip. But uh, it just reminds you that you're playing as a car yeah. that weighs no more than an ounce. So it, it wouldn't make sense if your car had a lot of weight. Yeah, I, I, I love, um, I mean, I love the fact that you got to, just upgraded for PS5, which is fantastic, yeah. uh, and it's it's such a like a fun game, and I love the fact that they actually didn't put you, you can't see that they put energy into like the story and everything because i really mm-hmm. hate when you'll play a game that you're not there for the story yet there right. is so much effort put into these cutscenes and everything it's like no 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 just make the game good i don't yeah. i don't need to have this story it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the story is super goofy, too. So yeah. if you do skip it, like, it doesn't matter. Basically, these monsters that are based on past tracks have, like, escaped or something like that. <laughs> and they're, like, wreaking havoc on the city. And you need to go stop them by racing, of course. Amazing. So it's it's great. It's everything it needs to be. I'm going after the Platinum. Once I've done that, yes. I'll get on to Spider-Man 2. But, Mike, we need to talk about a game that appeared on PS3, PS4, PS5, and Windows. And that game is, of course, The Last of Us. So I think that it's about time that we jumped into today's episode. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 39 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people who will review your garage sale if you let us. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about Star Fox 64 on the N64. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about one of Sony's first-party games on the PS3, a game that actually came out really late in the PS3 lifecycle. It took the post-apocalyptic craze of the late 2000s and took it to the next level with an amazing story, stellar gameplay, and a sequel and an HBO show that to date are both critically and commercially successful. We are here today to talk about The Last of Us Part 1, if you will, which was originally released on June 14th, 2013, developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony Computer Entertainment. As I said before, it is a PS3, PS4, PS5, and Windows game, rates a 9.5 out of 10, priced today at around $20 in most places, not counting the PS5 version, which is a full-priced game. It's an action-adventure survival horror game. It has sold over 20 million copies between PS3 and PS4. 
Mike, as I said in the intro, we usually talk about games from our childhood, but 2013, we, were, we weren't children, but it's still a game near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, so let's go back. What are your memories of The Last of Us when it came out all the way back in 2013? I know, I can't believe it's been 10 years. Um, right. Damn, that's, uh, that's what makes it allowed to be <laughs> talked about on this show, 10 years old. Uh, I guess this is the newest one that we've uh, covered by ourselves. We, we did do Breath of the Wild as a Patreon topic, and we, of course, did Kirby's Return to Dreamland from 2011 but uh yeah 2013 game so it's funny because i don't remember a lot of releases and stuff for games especially games like before 2017 i would say or before like the switch but this is one i vividly remember everything about so i'll break it down for you uh, in uh 2011 i'm working as a lifeguard at uh, at a pool near us um and there was a guy who was probably in his in his twenties. He was in grad school. I was pretty sure Zach, and he was. Uh, we were in the guard office. I was like waiting to go back on my shift, and he's like, "Yo, yo, man, you gotta come and check this game out like that." They just uh, just announced because this must have been E three twenty eleven, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, like let's 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 see it." And I and I see the footage of it, and it was like a lot of footage that they put out. I think it was like a six or seven minute long just gameplay of what was happening uh, in the game. And I didn't know what the game was called yet. I, I don't think I remember what the game was called when I left the office either. But I just sat there and watched with him, just in awe of, like, the brutality that I was watching on screen. It was unbelievable. Like, they showed the zombies and stuff, uh, and the infected, I should say. But the main portion of the gameplay that I was watching was you killing other people trying to kill you. Right. And I was, I was just blown away. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like... I had seen obviously this kind of stuff in uh, and in GTA or COD or but this this felt I don't know this felt so much more real to me it felt so much more cinematic the graphics also for for me at the time were looked unbelievable and I just remember sitting there in awe watching the entire eight minute gameplay demo or whatever it was and mm. then uh, my other supervisor banging on the glass uh, to tell us <laughs> that we have to, that we have to go and relieve our other uh, lifeguards. So we're like, oh yeah, okay, 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 yeah, we'll go, we'll go. And then I think we came back in the office and watched more of like the gameplay and everything <laughs> after. I, I was so enamored, and and this was at a time when I really wasn't into video games, like we've talked about before. You and I weren't playing a lot of games. Uh, at this point in our lives. So it was, uh, it, it had to be something special to really grab me like it did. And, uh, and yeah, obviously it did because uh, two years later I did buy it. Uh, maybe not on launch, but like very soon after it came out because it was on my radar for about two years and probably one of the first games I can ever think of that I knew about a few years before and was waiting for it to come out. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I have the same memory of discovering this game and that it was just after you and I finished high school when they mm. announced it, I think, because yeah. it was summer E3 2011, I think, is the first time we see any gameplay of The Last of Us. I could be wrong. Uh, but it was right around the time when I was getting back into games. Of course, I took a pretty big hiatus in, in high school from video games other than, of course, Nightfire, Mario Kart, uh, Smash Bros, and Guitar Hero, mm -hmm. uh, which everyone else was playing <laughs> in Rock Band. Uh, I wasn't playing any of the, um, the big games at the time like Halo and Call of Duty and other PlayStation franchises that were really getting, uh, get, getting a, 
a jump like uh, the Uncharted games and God of War, uh, I really took a big break. And this was one of those games that snapped me right back into it. Because I remember, I think it might have been the same trailer that you were watching where uh, Joel and Ellie are, are exploring this city that's been overgrown because it's been 20 years since it was uh, habitable. Yeah. And you go through, uh, I think it's supposed to be a hotel, that trailer, if I remember correctly. And you're right. It's, it's, it's not the type of violence that we had seen in games up to this point, which... For me, for the most part, violence, person-on-person uh, person, uh, violence was mostly James Bond games. Yeah. And fair. maybe Call of Duty, where it's two people shooting each other. You're going to respawn. The character's going to come back. It's fun. It's goofy. And it's uh, it's a blast. This game felt more like a realistic, like you said, cinematic. The characters don't want to die. The characters are trying to survive. Everyone is scared. No mm-hmm. one wants to be doing this. And <laughs> and you don't want to be doing this either. But it's, there's something about it that makes you think you, you have to. You need to get... You, we didn't really know what the game was about in this no. trailer, I should say. We thought, I think originally everyone thought Joel and Ellie were father-daughter, which made sense. Yeah. Found out later, of course, that they're not. But um, no one really knew exactly what this game was. It was just this game by Naughty Dog, which in 2011, I didn't even know who that studio was since I didn't play Jack and Daxter when I was a kid since I didn't have PS2. And I didn't play Uncharted in high school. I did play those games way later. So I didn't have any touchstone to this studio. I know now that they're one of the best studios in the world uh, with all the games that they've made uh, since Uncharted and since even up till The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, still making The Last of Us Part 1 to this day. They can't stop making that game. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like you. I uh, I remember playing it for the first time at your place, actually, when you were in university mm-hmm. in London. And uh, I, it was around the time you introduced me to this and Dark Souls. Uh, I definitely took to The Last of Us quite a bit <laughs> more than two. Took to. <laughs> one of them I played a lot. The other one I uh, listened to you talk about. But uh, <laughs> um, I remember thinking the opening, uh, I was going to say cutscene, but the opening, I guess, t- 10 minutes to half an hour of the game were some of the best, vi- was some of the best video game cutscenes and gameplay I had ever seen in my entire life. Yes. I had no idea that a game could do something like this. It stuck with me so heavily. The... Um, the emotion and the characters, the um, just the the production of it. The basically, I'm explaining the infected coming up and Joel and his daughter and everything and Tommy and and it's basically the first ten minutes or so of the Last of Us HBO show. They recreated that entire scene beautifully mm-hmm. in live action. Um, I think you showed me that first half hour and I was completely hooked right away. I yeah. think that was in March. I might have played it at your place and then went home and maybe in. June or May or June, I picked it up at EB Games and I played it that summer in my bedroom on my tube TV. And I remember, I remember, I love, I love that summer so much. That's such a fun 2014, 2013 era. It's when I was getting back into GameCube. Mm-hmm. It's when I, my brother was finished with video games pretty much entirely. So he gave me the N64 and the PS3. So I was all set. Uh, I was playing games like Bioshock and Arkham Asylum and Last of Us and, and Wind Waker and Resident Evil 4. It's just such a such a great time. I remember those three years. But uh, I played the game on my tube TV that I had in my bedroom. And I remember telling our friend Dan this, that I played The Last of Us on a tube, like a 15-inch, like a 20-inch tube TV. And the, the, the disappointment in his face... <laughs> I'll never forget. Like you're playing it on a, like you're not playing it in high def. And I was like, no, he was like, Neil. Neil. And I I will say I eventually did upgrade to a real uh, HD TV and I played it on PS3 on that. And then I eventually played the HD remaster on PS4, played it on that. So I have played superior versions than playing the last of us in, uh, I don't even know what to call that standard def, I guess, but 480p. even on that 480p, <laughs> that's right. Hearing the buzz of my, the hum of my tube TV. But even then I loved it. I mm-hmm. love that game. I think I beat it in a week or two. Couldn't put it down. 
Uh, that that's fast for me to beat a game. I know a lot of people could probably beat The Last of Us in a day. It's not no. a very long campaign. It's hard. But, it's. I mean, it, yeah, it <laughs> can, but it's, but it's like a ten-hour, twelve-hour campaign, and some yeah, people are if you're crazy. Good. So <laughs> that's true, which I am not. Yeah. So. Uh, there's that, but uh, it's basically the road gamified, which for me, the road is, uh, by Cormac McCarthy. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, it's basically that, uh, told, um, it through video game and no other game really did. It did zombies and did survival horror and did post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, uh, United States quite as well as the last of us did, uh, as much as that genre was super popular when we were in high school and university with the Mm. walking dead and the the, uh, left for dead and all the other of deads. That came out. Uh, this is the one that stood out to me as the the best one because it just felt, despite it being ridiculous and, and zany, it felt the most grounded of of any of those uh, of any of those franchises that came out. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the big things we're going to talk about. What makes this special in this genre that is super oversaturated? But I think that is one of the big things is that you do feel grounded. You do feel connected to these characters. And you also kind of can see the realism behind it. Like you, you see these infected and they don't look like your standard left for dead zombies. Like they look like something different. They, they they almost have more humanity to them Mm -hmm. in a way. And then also like they talk, I was watching a lot of interviews this week about some of the, the designers talking about when they were creating these cordyceps, uh, uh, kind of zombie people, they were, experimenting with a lot of different styles and they really wanted to kind of put juxtapose like the, the beauty almost of the fungi uh, mixed with the mm-hmm. um, just like the zombie esque aesthetic and uh, and the undead and just like the gross thing that you don't want to touch. So it's cool how you have that with a lot of the designs. I think like the clicker was where they started with in terms of what they wanted all these infected to look like and they, they went from there. And I think the design of it is a, is a huge part that really, uh, really makes this game. And like you mentioned some of those zombie games like left for dead. Uh, but we, you know, we've had a lot of zombie games before last of us. And after, you know, you think of Metro, those games, uh, you mm-hmm. think of COD and zombies, like zo- oh that's a, a huge yeah. in the late 2000s. Um, uh, Dead Rising as well. Uh, Resident Evil you, as one of the biggest uh, franchises of all time. Uh, but Last of Us is able to do something different than all these. And I think it just to allow you to, I don't know, find some humanity within the entire story and just the focus on the narrative mm-hmm. rather than the zombies, because when you think about it, you're actually not fighting infected that much. Like not a big part of the game is fighting infected. I'd say, especially for part two, but even in part one, you're fighting humans a lot. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of just hand to hand combat with just people. Like I'd say less than 50% of the gameplay is, uh, has to do with infected. Yeah. I think I remember hearing this. I don't know if it's true, but you can definitely, yeah, I think you can play the game without killing any infected or at least very minimal mm-hmm. infected. Like you can get through most levels without killing a single clicker. Uh, you can't beat the game without killing people. So mm. it, it's funny. Like the you think in the game that it's a zombie survival game, but really you're trying to survive against the, um, the what, are they, what do they call them? The like not pirates, but the... Um, Scavengers? Uh, like the scavengers yeah. and the um yeah like the bandits and fireflies. the groups that are yeah the fireflies of course and all these other groups you're trying to you're trying to survive all of these random tribes of people throughout the United States that have kind of popped up and banded together and every single uh, group of people are different in some weird twisted in some cases disturbing way um, that you come across mm-hmm. some are actually quite helpful some are uh, obviously quite violent 
Um, it's it's it it really you met you nailed it. Like this this game feels the most human out of all oh. the other zombie games. Where a lot of even Dying Light, like a lot of these other games, like especially Resident Evil, are very goofy. They are scary still, but they do have like a bit of a comic bookness to them. This game is completely void of that. Um, for the most part, it still does feel like a video game in certain levels, but um hearing other characters backstories and talking with other characters and hearing your enemies you know beg for their lives or gargle on their own blood after yeah. you bludgeon them in the neck with a baseball bat like it all feels really creepy and gross it's and brutal it's, it's it's so yeah. brutal because like these zombie games are usually just you killing like shooting the zombie in the head right mm-hmm. like resident evil doesn't feel brutal to me no it, it feels like it's it's cool but it's sometimes gory. it's and it's gory for sure yeah. but it's it's and it's almost comically gory it's at some mm-hmm. points because i even um in uh in one of my classes in university there was a zombie uh component on just <laughs> zombie culture and everything and it was actually really yeah. interesting to learn about like how zombies came about in mediums and it was really just zombies were used as an allegory usually for other things it's like okay we can't show people killing people Let's show them killing undead people uh, mm. where they still are people. So you, you still have some connection there, but it's it's a bit different. That's kind of why they existed in the first place in media. So to mm. almost strip that back in The Last of Us, I think that that nails it. That's the like that's what makes it uh, so good. I We're going to have a lot of pros in this um, yeah. in this game. Yes. But um, yeah. let, let's, let's talk about the story a bit. So you did say The Road, the great, great book slash movie uh, mm-hmm. with our boy Vigo in it right. uh, uh i've never seen it oh, i should really check it, it out it's, it's a good no. movie yeah it's a good I've movie i've read the book like four or five times never seen the movie i i guess if you really like the book it's like hard to you don't know if you're you're gonna i know i'm get, scared yeah but i mean hey the last <laughs> of us did it well so yeah. <laughs> but yeah the um it's uh, uh uh joel of course oh by the way we are gonna spoil a lot if not all of last of us part one I don't know if there's much to spoil except for the very end. But yes, this is a spoiler-heavy Last of Us episode. So if you haven't played The Last of Us Part 1, we'll try not to spoil much of Part 2. Yeah, we won't spoil Part 2. Yeah. No. So if you haven't played Part 1, pause this podcast and go play it, have a ton of fun, and then come back. Or watch the TV show. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) But yeah, uh, Joel, of course, um, uh, kind of our main protagonist here. He loses his daughter when when the infected riots and everything happen. Uh, big sad time. That's how this game starts. And you're like, well, wow, this is going to be an emotional game. It's going to get better, right? Nope. <laughs> it just gets <laughs> more sad. Uh, you help, uh, or you are kind of, I guess you're like a scavenger on your own as well with, um, with your friend Tess. And, uh, uh, they eventually come across when one of their jobs, this, uh, this girl, Ellie, who becomes the second protagonist here, who's a scrappy, uh, girl who seems to be, um, uh, uh, seems to be immune from any kind of infections. And, uh, the, what's her name? The, the woman, Mar- Marlene, Marlene. Yep. Yeah. Mar- Marlene, Marlene mm-hmm. who's like big lady up in the, the group, the fireflies. She's like, you know what? Uh, I need you to take. Ellie, because you just have to do it. And Joel's like, okay, well, I don't want to, but I guess I have to because they want to get a battery, I think is yeah. the whole thing. It's all yeah, they're doing it for a car battery. That's Everything right. in this world is all trading and bartering and uh, supplies are very valuable. And it's I do really like how it sets the tone early, showing mm-hmm. that Tess and Joel are – they're not good people. They're, they're not bad people. They're just people who are doing what they need to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire world of The Last of Us. It's just this idea of – of just trying to survive. And it was really funny when the series was, was out and people who hadn't played the game were 
so shocked every episode when someone ma- major in the episode would just die. Mm-hmm. And I would tell people, I'm like, okay, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but remember, there's only two characters in this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just think of it that way. Just, there's two characters. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. And I think that's what makes it even more impactful. And, and two characters, that means that Tess, she doesn't live. Uh, she uh, sacrifices herself. Uh, so you can leave the horde of zombies. That's one of my favorite scenes, by the way, in the game is when like the horde of zombies is coming at you uh, while the she ent- blows everything up. Yeah, the the entire opening. I mean, the entire game is so good, yeah. but like the like the game never stops. Like it, no. it, even the it doesn't hit you with a tutorial or anything like that. Like the very first Uncharted game, which is where The Last of Us really got its start with Naughty Dog making an adventure game mm-hmm. heavily based on Tomb Raider. The first, the very first Uncharted game has like a bit of an opening tutorial kind of area where they're teaching you how to jump and climb and shoot and run and jump and everything. This game has that, like um, you going through the, um, the the quarantine zone with uh, with Tess. Yeah, uh, is teaching you the game. It's teaching you how to crouch and how to put on your gas mask and how to kill, uh, basically an unarmed clicker for the most part. Yeah, or uh, an immobilized clicker. Um, teaches you uh, how to use your inventory, how to sneak around, how to use stealth, um, how to get around in the dark. I think it might teach you how to use Joel's uh, super powerful hearing. Which they never really explain how he's able to see through walls, but that's okay. <laughs> that's kind of the video gamey part of the yes. game, which you can take that away in the grounded mode yeah. if you want to. But uh, and and the game teaches you what's going on in the world, like you said before. Everyone is just trying to survive. No one's lives really matter that much. It's really just it's kill or be killed, and yeah. uh, that that's what the game is setting up in that first. Obviously, after the first twenty minute cutscene, but in that first. 10 or 15 minute level it's doing the exact same thing with you and Tess kind of navigating uh, their area of uh, Boston. They're in yep. Massachusetts, I believe. And they're just trying to get to the Massachusetts state house. That's kind of all that they're supposed to do at the very beginning of the that the game. That's that's all Joel thinks he's getting in for with him and Tess, who I think they're, they're meant to explain that they're kind of a couple, or at least they were at some point, and now they're just friends. But obviously no relationships really last that long in this world for obvious <laughs> reasons. But um, after everything that goes down in the first level, Tess, of course, uh, passes away, we'll say, violently. Uh, the mission gets slightly extended, and Joel now has to take Ellie, this uh, immune girl, from Boston uh, to Salt Lake City, I think is kind of where they're supposed to go. Denver? Which, or is it Denver? I think, yeah, or, I always forget. They have to go, they end up in Denver, I don't know, Denver, Salt Lake City, that that area of yeah. the United States. I mapped it. It's 2,364 miles, approximately, that they have to do, for the most part, on foot. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do eventually get a pickup truck at some point later on in the game, uh, and a horse at another part of the game, but... That's crazy. I I would probably just kill myself if I were in this world, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of chances here that I would probably just give up. It's, what are you fighting for? You know, yeah, just to survive. And I mean, that's it's the over. whole that's the whole thing. And yeah. you did mention Uncharted. I do want to talk a little bit about the history of this mm. game's development, because it, it was really interesting learning about it this week. Uh, I, I knew a bit about the whole game and kind of how it came about and and uh how it made a lot of people's careers uh too at naughty dog and they left to go do bigger and better things as well which was really cool uh but the the core idea of the last of us was because they wanted to split the two teams or split uh the naughty dog team into two one would continue doing uncharted games the other would, would focus on new ips and the idea, or the initial idea of The Last of Us came from the Tibetan level in Uncharted 2, which is where Nathan Drake and Tenzeg, I think is his name, uh, they worked together uh, to 
I forget what happens. Climb the mountain, whatever they're doing in the snow. It's a snow level in oh, yeah, yeah. Uncharted 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and they noticed that having these two characters was actually a really effective way to tell the story and what was going on rather than kind of hitting the game gamer over the head with, uh, with what was happening. And they wanted to utilize this uh, two-player but not two-player aspect, right? Like just like a single-player game, but having two characters and 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 having that relationship and and being able to play off each other. So that was the jumping-off point, really. And uh, and then uh, later on, I think when they were working on ideas, uh, they were watching BBC. Uh, uh, the planet earth <laughs> right and they saw this thing about uh the ants uh being taken over by um the cordyceps and right. uh, zombie ants which is where the intro to last of us the tv series uh comes mm-hmm. from which in my opinion is maybe the I best that. tv intro of all time yeah. and uh, uh so it was cool to see that like that's where the the game idea came from and from there they they really just worked on designs for 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 a year or two and just kind of worked on that idea. Neil Druckmann, who was the creative director at Naughty Dog at the time, took over this project. And and his thing was that he just wanted to make a narrative focused game. He really didn't care what the gameplay was at the end of the day. He just wanted to make a game that was so heavily narrative driven. And obviously they achieved that, but uh, mm-hmm. that was a, a cool way to go into it. And, and when you do think back, like they're starting development, maybe 20, 2009, uh, on this game, uh, yep. 2008-2009, he's right. Like there, there weren't a lot of really great narrative-driven games coming out at this point. We didn't have the Arkham's. Uh, we didn't have one of my favorites, Deus Ex. We didn't have a lot of these uh, great uh, narrative games that were coming into the AAA space. So uh, I do, I do applaud him for kind of pushing that hard and being like, no, no, this needs to be a narrative-driven game through and through. And for the most part, first party stu- Sony's first party studios all have these types of narratives now. Like yes. everything, it's kind yes. of a meme at this point. But every uh, Sony character needs to be a grizzled old man with a daughter <laughs> or a son or something. And that 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 this is the first game that really did it. Yeah. Um, they were also influenced by Ico or Eco, depending on how you yes. pronounce it, which is just a massive escort level mission or escort level game uh, for the most part. So it was, it was influenced by that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, works of fiction, like I mentioned before with The Road. Um, I love the 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 reference to the uh, BBC um, <laughs> Planet Earth uh, special yeah. where they, they basically got the idea with the ants infected by cordyceps because they you're right, they did basically recreate that in The Last of Us HBO show. And it, it makes the game feel like it could actually happen too because mm-hmm. it's like... The, this is what happens to bugs. Like it, it's, this is a real scientific thing. They haven't, I don't think found it in humans yet. Maybe they have, but um, this type of science, like with the earth warming could happen at some point. It makes you think like, okay, this is possible. Like it's, it's, it's more believable than zombies, which yes. the clickers are not zombies. The people, they're not supposed to be actually dead. They are kind of, but they're still technically alive. The cordyceps have just taken over their brain and then, over the course of several years have uh, devolved them and turned them into monsters for the most part. And every level of the infected uh, degrades more and more where you come across clickers and stalkers and bloaters and everything else. And eventually uh, the rat king in last of us part two, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on how long and where the people were infected and where they've kind of been, if they're in like dark caves or something or if, or whatever, they uh, they turn into different things the longer that they're infected until they basically die and become part of this massive hive. Um, the entire the, the entire thing is just a giant fungus, basically. It's a big fungal system. It's really brilliant. It's almost, it's horror, but it's also to, almost like sci-fi as well. 
Yeah. Um, very well done. And you mentioned before, game director Bruce Straley, creative director Neil Druckmann. Also need to give a shout out to the uh, composer, oh, uh, yes. Gustavo Santa Aulala. I can, I'm definitely butchered that. I'm very sorry, Gustavo. But uh, the original score for The Last of Us, it's amazing acoustic guitar work. The the compositions by Andrew Burrish, Anthony Caruso, and Jonathan Mayer. Uh, the music in The Last of Us is some of the best in any Sony first party games. Um, it's not, uh, it's not super cinematic, like something from the, um, Uncharted, which is more like an Indiana Jones game. It's much more, uh, I don't want to say grounded. It's, it just feels subtle, subtle, subtle. Yeah. Subtle, but really impactful. I love the guitar riffs throughout the entire game. Um, I used to listen to it when, uh, way before I uh, played the game back in 2011 in school, I used to play it when I was just studying. It was just good study music, Mm -hmm. uh, cause there's no lyrics or anything. It's just mostly guitar and ambient sounds. Um, makes you fall asleep, but, uh, really, really good music. I love the last of us, uh, soundtrack. So need to give a shout out to everyone. Uh, obviously everyone who worked on the game, but those, uh, those, those teams of people, especially, and obviously critically, the game was very rose was very well received. It received close to 50 awards back in 2013 and was nominated for probably hundreds more, but didn't quite win. You got to remember, this is the same year that GTA five came out as well. And big year. it was, yeah. Yeah, big year in video games 2013. It was basically The Last of Us and GTA V uh, going for all of the um, the top awards, but very big year for video games indeed. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, 2013, great great year for music too. But uh, yeah, yeah, the the the, the, the gu- acoustic guitar playing in this is just perfect. Gustavo, oh my God. Like I would also listen to, I still listen to the soundtrack. I listen to The Last of Us Part Two soundtrack actually even more. I really... Like that soundtrack, especially the last song, uh, which is fantastic. I think the last song is called Beyond Desolation. And desolation is a good word for what the kind of sound uh, this this is. Like It's very desolate. You know, like it, it makes you feel like you're on like a, a abandoned road somewhere walking down. Like it's it's such a perfect example of someone being like, hey, we have this game <laughs> and we want this kind of music for it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> Phil Collins over here. That's right. <laughs> but it just it's just amazing listening to it. Uh, and it just the, the, the small strums that you'll hear at certain mm-hmm. points, even like the little emotional sections there's no strings. There's no like orchestral music that comes up when it gets emotional. You'll just hear one kind of strum up and one strum down for a different chord. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And oh man, that's so, so good. And some hammer on pull off slides, like oh, really so basic melodies. <laughs> oh yeah. Basically a lol, all slide guitar. And the, the, the acoustic guitar is like such an icon in the last of us. Like Joel later on in the game is trying to teach Ellie how to play guitar. You can tell he's a guitar player himself. Mm-hmm. He loves music. And then, Last of Us Part Two, the acoustic guitar is heavily uh, involved in that game as well. Um, I love the uh, I love the incorporation of music. Like yeah. even in those, this world where everything seemingly is dead, uh, in terms of like what we know as a society now, like especially with art, like there's no movies, there's no plays, there's no uh, there doesn't seem to be any art anymore. But music seems to survive in some small facets mm-hmm. of the world, which is really neat. Uh, you and I both being huge music fans, that that really rang through for me when I was playing the game. I love, and the guitar is the only instrument that seems to have survived. Obviously no one's playing the drums in a world where uh, the cordyceps and the, uh, the clickers <laughs> can hear you from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> There's that one tom-tom that gets hit, you know, when when uh, when they're they're going into the intro. I love that intro too, that um, that cinematic of all the cordyceps kind of going oh, everywhere, yeah. the, the spores. Uh, uh, kind of flying to, and, and even like 
something as simple as the menu screen is perfect, in my opinion. All it is is just a window with the plant on it. And, and and just a start game and the like curtain blowing in the wind yeah and that is so cool and i remember getting goosebumps when i i put in last of us part two and all it was was that boat on the shore and it was dark yeah. and i was like they did it again this is all yeah. you need and, and like that's see that's such a, a a different way to think about these kind of games right it's like no don't think about it showing off the infected showing off like two people with guns uh, on the menu screen no no all mm-hmm. you're showing is a, a window with a plant on it Mm-hmm. perfect it's very innocent yeah you wouldn't know what you're about to get yourself into yeah you also never really know what that window is supposed to be either nope. they never really explain it they never zoom into it it's never in a cutscene. Nope. um exactly at least i don't i think that they're supposed to reference it in the hbo show which was interesting the fragility of life neil i think that's what it's trying to <laughs> trying to tell us I don't know. poetic on me there mike <laughs> but yes the uh the 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 game does keep going on uh you meet a lot of different cast of characters throughout some people die some people don't uh we meet joel's brother tommy as well who becomes a pretty big character uh and most of the time you are just just yet trying to get Ellie from point A to point B. Uh, you have to fight off a lot of different people. One of my favorite areas is maybe, I guess you could call it like the third area in the game, maybe fourth area, which is Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a big sprawl of, a, of an area, probably one of the most lengthy parts in the game. Um, and and you have to basically go through just mostly people. You, you fight a couple of clickers and zombies, but and, and infected, sorry, but it's mostly just people. But my personal favorite level i'm not sure about you neil but this is my personal favorite is uh the snow level with ellie yeah when they do the uh they do the uh i was gonna say gender reversal reversal like <laughs> the flight of the concords but when they do that's a funny song uh but when they do the uh the character reversal yes. that you don't you don't see coming mm-hmm. and you think you think joel is dead um i i thought he was i i yeah. honest to god thought he was dead yeah, I mean, like, the game is not very forgiving with in terms of characters, and it would have been such a weird shift to have played the rest of the game as Ellie, but uh, picks up in the winter, you're, you start off as a hunter, you're uh, you're hunting down some food, and then uh, that that, enti- that entire, that basically, uh, I think, sets up the third act of the game, I guess you could probably say. Um, that entire, from that moment onward, from the rest of the game, is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, playing as Ellie was really cool, and then you meet David, um, and that entire village is so messed up. Um, yeah. The world itself is just such a, an amazing character in the game. There's lots of, like, little parts and big cities, and even just small rooms and hallways completely freak me out, and there's really small details in the game that sit out to me, but uh, I can't remember where you're supposed to be at that point in the game, but um, that David and the... Um, cult basically in that town really creepy because it turns out that they're cannibals and yeah. they, they are, they're they're taking in people that are just passing through and they kill them and eat them and feed them to everyone there and it's 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 got a religious uh theme to it but mm-hmm. it doesn't hit you over the head with it um it's just this creepy cult and you get to play as ellie who i think is meant to be what 13 14 or 14 yeah. 14 year old girl in the game after playing as joel who's this 50 year old you know got old man strength throughout the entire game it was really weird playing as a playing as a different character yeah and it was it was so cool when you're yeah you're hunting the deer is like your first mission is ellie you're learning how to use the rifle as her because it does play differently it's not the exact same as joel so you actually kind of have to relearn how to use these controls again which i thought was really cool like she's more shaky 
than Joel. Uh, it's harder to get a shot off properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that whole, you then learn later that Ellie is trying to basically get food and medicine so she can heal Joel because he does have that stab wound, I think, that he got when they were in Denver or wherever yep. they were. And that's when, yeah, they meet David in that that cult, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Joel does get the medicine, comes back. They you fight uh, together. The, the whole lodge is burning down. And that's probably my, maybe the most impactful and biggest relationship building point of the whole game is when um, Ellie stabs David after uh, he's trying to kill Joel and she just keeps stabbing and stabbing and stabbing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they hug and then phew, just goes to black. And I'm like, I remember when that happened when I played it. I was like, okay, this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was a lot too in the HBO show too. I remember that was the end of one of the episodes and it was all all over social media and TikTok and everyone's everyone, it was so fun to watch everyone respond or react mm-hmm. to this uh this game 10 years after we had already we knew it was coming. Yes, I um, know what's happening. Get ready. <laughs> everyone's experiencing it again for the first time, which is great. You know, it, yeah. it's really cool that a game as narratively focused and as emotional as this game can reach people who are never going to play. My yeah. my parents are never going to pick up a PS3 and a controller and play this game from start to finish. So that part of the game is really uh, memorable for me too. I I love that entire thing. I like how at first Ellie thinks that she can trust uh, David and the people that he's with, and then uh, Joel coming to after being I thought fatally stabbed uh, mm-hmm. when he fell <laughs> off of that two story drop into that pipe or whatever it was. I thought that that killed him. But even seeing that that was the part of the game too where we see Joel turn from we we see him as an anti or we see him as a protagonist for the majority of the game, but that's. Obviously, we it ends up being a little bit more ambiguous than that towards the end of the game. But that's the part where you start to think, wait, Joel could be a villain uh, because he basically <laughs> knocks out and tortures two of David's kind of, I guess, followers yeah. brutally, tor- like tortures them and interrogates them and kills them both after they already tell him, you know, where Ellie is and everything. And that's a really scary scene because you yep. see Joel... He's had enough. Like, he's had a really rough life. Obviously, his daughter died at the beginning of the uh, the outbreak by uh, one of the government uh, military uh, soldiers, shot his daughter. He's obviously been through hell for the last 20 years, and now he's finally got this kind of surrogate daughter who he's kind of adopted as his own. And now she's in trouble, too, and you can tell he's not having it. Like, he's not going to lose another daughter kind no. of thing. And he's going to kill everybody and everything in his way to get to her. Um, and that's where that we see that shift happen, and it's really really cool to see it in the game and it was also really cool seeing pedro pascal do it in the show it's it's really tense that 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 scene for me a standout uh scene in the game uh there's lots in the middle of the game especially but the people that you meet along the way uh henry and sam we haven't talked about yet but the Mm -hmm. two brothers in the show in the uh in the game rather sneaking around the city i can't remember if they're in kansas city they're in pittsburgh pittsburgh sorry thank you uh sneaking around in pittsburgh with them and then it's a lot of stealth in that one and just sneaking around and helping them out and everything. Oh, I don't do stealth it's... in that. I just go <laughs> I just go guns blazing. I was doing I that. I was going to ask you about that. Because you're a stealth guy. You like to play the Deus Exes and the Hitmans playing as stealth. But in this game, you're guns a-blazing. That's cool. I'm guns a-blazing for people. For hmm. uh, for infected, I'm stealth. That's kind of how I play this game for the yeah. most part because I don't really want to deal with the clicker. You know, I just I don't want to because they're 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 BS. Uh, I'll shoot one in the head of the shotgun and they're fine. So I don't like that. Um, I like going guns a blazing for people because I know they'll die. I know my shotgun to the face for someone <laughs> is, and I love when you do shotguns in the face to people. Or more brutal kills with people because Ellie reacts differently. Yeah. I don't know if you notice that, Neil, but um, she'll just be like, oh, Jesus Christ, Joel. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, why? 
So I was like, yeah, I just gotta do it, man. This is this is this is every this is my everyday life. <laughs> this is my these are my everyday balloons. These are my everyday killing. <laughs> <laughs> and when you hit like when you bludgeon someone like perfect it's so violent the way we talk about this game, but like when you <laughs> hit someone over the head perfectly, like with a baseball bat or a pipe, like you hear a different sound too. Like this like yep. you can it must have been it must have been really depressing working on this game. <laughs> <laughs> the Foley art for this game. I know, like uh, really, right? <laughs> the the sound quality of like hitting someone, like just hearing like a skull crush in their brain, yeah. like everything, like the like I mentioned before, like the sound, like if you hit someone in, or if you cut someone's throat, like hearing them gargle on the ground as they slowly bleed out. It's it's violent and it's terrifying. Like this yep. game definitely earns its M rating. But yeah, like playing with Henry and Sam, and of course their ending to the game, it's exactly like it is in the show. They, mm-hmm. um, the younger brother, of course, gets infected, uh, and then the older brother kills himself, and then oh, that scene. Uh, it's really bad. It's it's again like the cut to black as soon as he's about to kill himself. It's it's sad, and then they just cut to you know three weeks later. It's another season or whatever it is. Very emotional, mm-hmm. and then. Joel and Ellie meeting uh, Frank and Bill, of course, or just Frank, just, I guess. <laughs> just Bill. Just Bill. Sorry, I like that that uh, that level. It's it's neat. It's cool. It, it's kind of annoying just collecting parts of a car. I'm glad they changed it for the the show because. Yes. Oh my god. It it, it was one. I I remember even thinking, being like, I wonder how they're gonna tackle this one because that doesn't really make sense. But they did that one great in the show. That's one <sighs> time that when you change something, I think they actually changed it for the better, which is pretty rare. You mentioned sounds, Neil. Of course, mm. the the Foley art in this game is fantastic. We yeah. would be remiss to talk uh, to not talk about the voice acting in this game, which just adds another level of characterization that I think most games uh, don't have, and even maybe today don't have. Troy Baker is one of the best voice actors in the business, probably one of the most known as well, up there with uh, R.I.P. Kevin Conroy uh, mm-hmm. and Nolan North as well. Uh, these guys are fantastic. Troy Baker just kills it as Joel. Just unbelievable. One of the most iconic voices, in my opinion. Ashley Johnson doing Ellie is also fantastic. That's also just a very particular voice that she gets down. Like, it's the authenticity in this game is is so well done in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joel and Ellie, both Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, they also did a bunch of the mo capture motion capture for the game too mm-hmm. so um uh, they did a great job and this is back when motion capture was still relatively new in video games really good job ashley johnson playing i think she was in her 20s i guess at the time late 20s playing a 14 year old girl uh <laughs> not an easy thing to do and yeah, then troy no. baker not being a specifically old man at the time he might have been in his again late 20s early 30s they were around the same age i think playing a uh late 40s early 50 year old man they both did a really good job i i i didn't know ashley johnson was in as many things as she is she has mm-hmm. a brief cameo in the very first avengers movie it's in like the post credits when they're interviewing people from new york she's a waitress they just oh. randomly she's on screen there she also voiced gretchen in recess what oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw that i was like damn okay cool okay um hannah hayes uh voices sarah jeffrey pierce is tommy a- annie worshing is tess merle dan Andridge is Marlene. Uh, Bill is voiced by W. Earl Brown. Brandon Scott voices Henry. And Najee Jeter voices Sam. Some of these actors and actresses uh, reprise their roles or start as different characters in The Last of Us HBO show, which I really mm-hmm. like them doing that. I understand that some of the characters couldn't play the characters that they were voicing because they just didn't have the right look or they've aged out or anything like that. But um, it was really cool to see like uh, Ashley Johnson being uh, Ellie's mom in The yes. Last of Us show. I thought Perfect. that was perfect idea for her too and uh even troy baker is in the show too at some point he's he's one of the followers for um right. he's um what's his name's uh, right hand man isn't he david's yeah the guy that gets uh, stabbed yeah, in the throat the basically yeah. yeah 
yeah, he died, unfortunately. Uh, there's even another character there, too, who's... Um, uh, what's her name? The, Marlene. Uh, she, she, the actual voice actress yes. is the actress. That's as right. soon as I saw her in the TV show, I was like, that's Marlene. Like mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's she her. Looks similar. Yeah. She looks similar too. Cause I yeah. guess with the mocap, they just picked the character and was like, yeah, you look, you look right. So they kept her, <laughs> they kept her in there, but you're, you're right. It's a, sta- it's a fantastic cast and Naughty Dog were really good at doing this. Uh, obviously they had a lot of, uh, practice with the uncharted one and two. Um, they, they mm-hmm. knew how to, uh, to cast good characters. And now that uh, we've escaped from the cult, uh, we're now just kind of on a mission. We're now Joel and Ellie trust each other completely. There's that bond is completely formed, basically at this point. And uh, we do make it to the uh, uh, the mythical Firefly Hospital Medical Center, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you find out that uh, uh, you are going to give Ellie to science, but uh, they have to kill her to uh, <laughs> to get what they need. And um, and Joel just simply cannot live with this uh, this idea. And you then go even more brutal, Joel. And this is where the, the, the game somehow evolves into an even more brutal game uh, where you are basically just killing everyone left, right, and center in this hospital to, in order to get uh, to Ellie. That, that was the one kind of thing in the show that I was a little sad about that you didn't get to see all of this. But I, I get it. You know, it, it was mm-hmm. in the game. You're, you're slowly going through. Um, and then you, uh, of course, get into the operating room and just brutally kill the surgeon. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, yelling that when I was playing it, too. I was like, wow, what is going on? Like, gee. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure because I I'm not sure how you what you thought at the time, but I genuinely thought you were going to get a choice. I thought it was going to be one of these games. I think I might have tried to leave because it doesn't it do, well, it doesn't because you can you can try you can leave without like do I leave without like you could maybe like leave without Ellie try to leave without killing the doctor mm-hmm. leave with like there could have been probably three or four different options I know that you can leave without killing the nurses yeah some people do they're crazy uh, but yeah it was <laughs> it was a very emotional scene like this is again what I was talking about before where a lot of people finished playing The Last of Us thinking you know oh I got to play as you know the hero Joel it's like he's not a hero like. No. Clearly not. And you don't know whether or not they're, they're like you said before, giving Ellie up to science. You don't know if them cutting her brain out to make a, a cure was going to work. Um, you have to assume they were probably like 99% sure it was going to work. But it seems like Joel is basically responsible for the death of the rest of humanity. <laughs> you can all but kind of conclude that. Mm-hmm. And we still probably are going to get Last of Us Part 3. So who knows how they're actually going to end it. I don't think that the the game is going to end with the world going back to the way it is now obviously but yeah the uh the very end it's it's and even Marlene comes back to you as well yeah. she she hunts you down in the parking lot and you you kill her too like you know yep. Joel's got that line like you know you just come after her and then bang and then oh my god really really good scene but then cut cut again to them driving back and him lying to Ellie saying you know Oh, you know, they got a whole bunch of people just like you. They didn't need you after all. We're going home kind of thing. And Yeah, basically saying that it tried, they tried it, but it didn't work yeah, like yeah. for other people. And so, yeah. But And, and you, you can tell, like, I, I guess that's what you're going to say, that you can tell that she kind of knows. Yeah, you can tell in her face. Like she doesn't look like she 100% believes it, but she's also kind of torn because, she, you know, she trusts Joel at this point. She's mm-hmm. He's kind of her dad and they've been through so much. So... She kind of has to take his word for it. But, like, didn't they say anything to her before they put her under? Yeah, I know. There's there's some questions there for sure. Did they do that against her will? Maybe. <laughs> Creative license, maybe. Well, they, I think they, they did put her under, like, right immediately, maybe. It's it's hard to really pinpoint it. That but, seems um, like against the law, but I guess there aren't any laws there's anymore There's no in laws, Neil. There are definitely no. no laws. There is an after credit scene, though, where she does ask Joel again. 
Um, and, and he says, he says, yeah, like, nope. It was, it's like, are you telling the truth? Or I forget exactly how the scene goes, but they're looking over, uh, an area or something. And, uh, and she's like, are you, are you for sure telling the truth? And he's like, yep, I'm telling the truth. Wink. Well, obviously we learn in the last of us part two ellie will learn a lot more about that truth uh but we're not going to get into that now because mm-hmm. we're talking about the part one only today uh obviously you and i praise this game heavily uh we've talked a ton about the graphics the sound design the gameplay uh, a little bit about the story we've obviously missed a ton of plot points in the game but there's too much to talk about in this game um for uh one short podcast but one thing i do want to talk to you about mike is the cons of the game or is there anything that you would like to improve um, obviously Naughty Dog have improved on the game twice since it came out in 10 years, which seems a little bit excessive, but talking about the PS3 version, at least, or the PS4 version, if you want, are there any parts of this game that you'd like to, or you would have liked to have improved on? So, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like when I was trying to think back and I was playing the PS4 version this week, um, because that, that is definitely the superior version from the PS3. I, I almost equate it to like playing like uh i know i know that uh, your wife just played this but uh playing hogwarts legacy on on the the, the last console and then playing uh, yeah. uh playing it on the new console is just the the biggest thing was low times uh when i played it yeah. uh, first on the ps3 and i played it probably before it got any updates because i played it probably first two weeks maybe and uh whew, those low times were were rough uh, i remember i remember because we we used to have to change the games out all the time. There was five of us living in a house, so we were constantly playing different games. Mm-hmm. And when I would put The Last of Us in and I would start the game, I would see those little spores or fire... I guess they're fireflies, actually, right? The, the Whatever those things are in the bottom I thought they left. were supposed to be spores. Maybe but... they are spores, yeah. yeah. Just, just kind of floating and doing their thing. Uh, I have that image ingrained in my mind because I would look at that for minutes at a time. And I remember a friend of the show, Jake, would sit there with me sometimes timing it, how long the load screens would take. I think we got up to like five or six minutes Whoa. For, for some of them uh, on the PS3. It, it was rough. It was rough. Not not a fun time when you had to wait. You didn't have to wait that long between deaths, mind you. This was just to start up the actual game. Oh, okay. Um, between deaths was was probably like... 30, 30 seconds, seconds to a minute. 45 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And we're now on the PS4. It's uh, obviously much faster. Did love the, the, the last of us part two on the PS5 where I was just constantly loading it back up again. Whenever I would miss one shot, like, mm-hmm. Nope, didn't like that shot. Load it up again. <laughs> let's start the encounter again. Uh, that is one thing I do like about this game is the fact that I can just kind of go back to the encounter and, and, and start it again. It's in a way it's like a plays like a puzzle game. Yeah. Uh, which I like, but yeah, I mean, that was always my biggest con when I was playing it the first time playing it again, these past couple weeks. Um, there were some things that like, I often found myself not really knowing where to go next, despite one, having played this game multiple times <sighs> two having Ellie to tell me where to go. Um, uh, sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. That was, that would get confusing because everything looks the same is, is one issue that especially new players I find, uh, uh have trouble with. And one thing that I was, I was a little sad about playing it again was just how many like bugs there still are. There's just uh, still a lot of stuff that just doesn't work properly. Like, um, for example, you in Pittsburgh, when you're trying to get Ellie across the water because she can't swim, but you can, so you're swimming around and, uh, you have to get a board to her and she has to go onto the board. You need to place that board like in the exact spot. Uh, before she goes on because i had it i was like is she is go she, is she gonna go on uh, and i just kept moving it back and forth 
And then I just moved it like one way and I just held it there. And then she finally started going. Uh, I also had a glitch too when you're facing like the first, I guess, boss almost. the One of the big bloaters who, who's shooting stuff at you. So stuff like that where I'm like... Come on, guys. This is the remastered version. Let's yeah. uh, let's fix some of this. But and I remember having some of those issues, not the exact same, but some other weird glitches like that when I first played the game. Interesting. I don't remember a lot of glitches playing the PS3 or the PS4 version. That's crazy. I I, I really don't remember the load screen like at the start because I was playing the game on my own PS3, so I never had to do that. I always yeah. just got to jump back to where I was. It's hard to remember how long. I guess it was about the same for you, or like if I died which was fairly frequently because as we established (laughs) earlier in the episode, I am not great at these games. Yeah, it was probably 30 seconds to a minute per load, which uh, by today's standards is really bad. But back then it was just, I was kind of used to it for the most part. Stockholm Syndrome had the best of me. (laughs) Um, But this was a very late PS3 game. Got to remember June 14th, 2013. PS4 was only a few months away at that point. And that's why we got the PS4 version so soon. I was looking at the top 10 best-selling PS3 games, actually, just to get a sense of like where the console was by the end of its life cycle and the top 10 best-selling games in order of uh, first to 10th were Grand Theft Auto 5, Gran Turismo 5, Last of Us, Uncharted 3, Uncharted 2, Metal Gear Solid 4, Arkham City, Gran Turismo 5 Prologue, I don't know what that is, Gran Turismo 6, and God of War 3 selling 5.2 million units. Most of the games, best-selling PS3 games, were in the second half of the uh, PS3's life cycle. Oh, that's like, interesting. Yeah, like GTA, uh, sorry, Gran Turismo 6, GTA 5, Last of Us, third Uncharted game, a lot of basically 2011 and onward games. Uh, it's funny just because we read the uh, the best-selling Switch games every couple months, and it seems like the top 10 best-selling Switch games are always in the first three years. Like, it's a <laughs> lot of them came out between 2017 and 2020. Yeah. Uh, the PS3 had a later, uh, later uptick in games, uh, which is when... I, I jumped into the PS3 life cycle as well. But anyway, I my point is that I, I always have a hard time judging a game based on its load screens just because it's like it really does depend on when it came out because yeah. uh, Last of Us was basically uh, sucking every little bit of juice it could out of the PS3 um, <laughs> in terms of its RAM and its storage and everything. It was it was working the PS3 uh, like a like a like a dog to make the game run. So I, I feel that's what Mario Wonder's doing or, yeah. or I, I feel actually more so I feel like that's what Tears of the Kingdom is doing to the Switch. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, Mario Wonder, I don't know how they're making it load and run as well as they are. It's a 2D game, so I guess that that helps. Uh, the Switch Switch, anything 3D on Switch. Check out Hogwarts Legacy gameplay on Switch <laughs> if you if you want to have a little bit of a laugh. Uh, honestly, it's a technical marvel that they got it on there, but yes, uh, it is. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's something else. But um, uh, my improvements to The Last of Us were really you you said it was uh, anytime I had to navigate Ellie around on water. Not so much the glitches, just I didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was just... I Water don't levels, have... man, every yeah, time. <laughs> really, like, there's no swimming levels in The Last of Us, per se. Like, you don't have to go underwater for incredibly long lengths of time. It's not like Donkey Kong Country or Mario or anything like that. But sure. there's a lot of areas in the world that are flooded, and you had to take Ellie across from bus top to bus stop or rock to rock uh, on some kind of a, a pallet or a board or something. And early on in the game, it was kind of cute. It's like, okay, she's young. She's, she's never been outside of the, uh, the quarantine zone, mm-hmm. but like you have to do it again, like three quarters of a way through the game. And it's like, didn't she learn how to swim by now or something? Like, couldn't <laughs> you have taught her how to, I get that you're like, you're trying to survive. You're trying to get across the country. Now's not the time to learn how to swim, but it's like, <laughs> I didn't need to do this. And I understand that there's certain uh, Ellie interactions that are basically load screens. Like anytime you have to prop her up onto a dumpster or yep. uh, up a ladder or whatever it is, that's basically a hidden load screen. So I get that that had to exist, but 
I don't know, maybe maybe navigating her across a pond was also a load screen, but it, it just got old real fast having to do that. But that was really mm. it for me in terms of cons. Like the game, I love it. Like it's the perfect length. Um, every single story beat is great. It has just the right amount of ups, which is basically none. And <laughs> <laughs> just an incredible amount of downs and how the characters handle everything just feels so human. Mm. Um, the game's story is perfect. Uh, I love the gameplay in this game. Uh, you said before, Naughty Dog, like they, they mentioned that they weren't trying to nail the gameplay in The Last of Us, but I feel like that they did. They did, um, I know. Like... I, know like, I, I love the shooting in this game. I know that it's not as uh, precise as other third-person shooters of the time, like um, like Gears of War or something. But it shouldn't be because it's no. almost discouraging you from using it, right? And I like that. It's more realistic in that sense. And why should everyone be great at shooting? Like, for the most part, everyone are just people. Like, yep. yeah, Joel is a trained fighter at this point. It's been 20 years, but like... He's way better than a lot of the other people in this game who you fight against who probably have almost no combat experience except for killing people on surprise or something. So it makes sense the way a lot of these people fight, how it's very choppy and very um, just uncoordinated. And it's it's really neat. And they nailed everything in this game. And uh, we've talked a lot of praise about the second game. I I'm sure that they're going to do a third game. I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. I know a lot of people don't necessarily want it after what happened in the second game, but I love everything that The Last of Us has put out so far. So I have complete faith that the uh, third part will be just as good as the first two. But Mike, as is tradition, when we uh, when we talk about old games, we do have to review a review from back in the day. And I do have one actually from Hmm. one that was quite recently, June 24th, 2023. Should I read it now? Sure. Let's do it, Neil. It's time to review that review. All right. It's a short one. I can't even uh, read the name of the uh, the reviewer here, but it's Ruan Gamer on Metacritic. Gave the game a zero. <laughs> okay. I can't believe I spent almost my hard-earned money on this game. <laughs> Very bad. Graphics, bad. Horrible gameplay. Didn't deserve game of the year. <laughs> There's so much to break down in this. I can't believe I spent almost my hard-earned money. Does that mean that this person almost had hard-earned money? <laughs> They almost earned it hard, but instead they earned it easy. That's right. I'd like to know how you earned your money easily. Or did they almost buy it, and then they didn't buy it, and they have opinions on the game? Very confused. Very confused indeed. But uh, is The Last of Us a zero? <laughs> uh, just put a, put a one in front of it, and then we're good. In my opinion, uh, I think Last of Us is a 10. I think it's uh, one of the few games I, I'll, I'd ever call a 10, and I think it is a 10. And I think Last of Us Part 2 is a 10 as well, which is even more rare I think these two are forever linked in my mind in my game rankings. Uh, I'm, I'm every two years I'd like to, to update my game rankings, Neil. So mm. I'm doing that right now, and I think I have these two at six and seven. Uh, wow! Uh, in my in my top ten, they're just fantastic games that are are so impactful. Playing The Last of Us Part Two the first time, I obviously liked it, and I thought it was fantastic. And then I played it again, and then I was like, oh, this is this maybe is even better than Part One. They're both great. I have a hard time comparing them. I think I give The Last of Us some bonus points because it was it came first. Like it's just one of those time and place things. It's kind of like how I probably would rank Breath of the Wild higher than Tears of the Kingdom, just because sure. I understand technically they're probably you know more impressive. The sequels being more impressive than their predecessors, but it's really just it it captured my attention at that time. It was the first of its kind. It just hit me at the right time in my life. So 100%. Um, I'm not sure what version this person was playing. I thought that when I looked it up on Metacritic that they were reviewing the PlayStation version the ps3 version specifically but they could have been talking about the ps the pc version which i think might have come out 
to some pretty rough bugs. Yeah, it it was a little buggy for sure. Not a zero because it still, still plays. Not a zero. <laughs> still better than most games that come out these days. Uh, but if you're yeah. talking about the PS5, PS4, or PS3 version, uh, I can, I can, I can't guarantee too many things, but I can almost guarantee that the game is not bad. It has it has very good graphics and pretty good gameplay. And does it, does it deserve Game of the Year? I mean, that's very subjective. I would think so. In 2013, mm-hmm. it's one of the only games from 2013 that I still think about uh, to this day. Does the game appear in 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die, Mike? It, it doesn't because 1001 Video Games, this this book was last published in 2013. Uh, and Whoa. so they only have like three games from 2013 in there. I guess ones that were out early in the year. Uh, one of them being Bioshock Infinite, which is an it's a good game. It's not, it's, I don't think it should be in that book. So uh, Last of Us will come. It'll replace it. Everything will be good. As long as Pool Paradise is still in there. That's what, uh, that's what really matters. But uh, yeah, one day maybe we'll get a, a repress of this book with some, some new games. They need to. We need it. But uh, we also need you to read the back of the case, Neil, for, uh, for Last of Us Part 1. All right. Sounds good. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Joel and Ellie brought together by harsh circumstances. Joel and Ellie brought together by harsh circumstances must survive a brutal journey across the U.S. in a dangerous post-pandemic world. That's it. It's fun reading the back of the case of a PS3 game because two-thirds of it are taken up by, like, all of the requirements and, like, various <laughs> logos and everything like that. It's very different than when we read the back of a case on an N64 game or a GameCube mm. game, of course. Very different indeed. But I was saying to you before we jumped on the microphones, I don't remember ever reading the back of a PS3 case. We're looking at YouTube reviews at this point. But there are different covers with The Last of Us, Mike. Uh, back of the case on your PS4 copy here, very similar. Um, same write-up as I just read. Uh, with a few of the remastered features. The PS3 version is Joel and Ellie in the city. I think it's from that original E3 trailer, looking Mm -hmm. back at the camera. And then the Last of Us PS4 version is the black and white uh, version of the two characters looking very dark, very serious. I'm a bigger fan of the PS3 version, personally. I think the PS3 version is the best shot for sure. I also love the Last of Us, the the font treatment that they did for that. It's a great font. It's it's become so iconic and so simple mm-hmm. at the same time. I love how they they treated it. Um, and there have been quite a few covers that have existed. Uh, but there's there's a lot of cool ones. There's a couple of uh, special editions ones that came up for the PS3, which were an Ellie edition and a Joel edition, where you just kind of see half their face. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Uh, there's the PS5 uh, version, part one, that it just shows Ellie's kind of face with her ponytail. And then we have Joel much smaller beside the, the text. That one's okay. I don't really like the treatment. I also don't like seeing The Last of Us written out all in one horizontal line. I like mm. when it's stacked. I think the stack makes it iconic for me. I do love The Last of Us Part 1 Steelbook, though. It is really, really cool with all the cordyceps and everything and branches going around. Mm-hmm. And then you just see the the shot of Joel and Ellie. But the one thing I did want to mention with the artwork that I thought was really interesting when I was doing some research about this game was that... Uh, the publishers uh, at Naughty Dog, like the, the executives at Naughty Dog and Sony, fought, they really wanted to have Joel on the front cover, just Joel, and then on the back cover would be Ellie. Hmm. And Naughty Dog, the devs, uh, and Neil Druckmann as well, they fought really hard 
to make sure that Ellie was actually the focal point of this shot on the front cover and Joel behind her. And I think that's fantastic. I love that so much because I think that really represents uh, uh, what the game ends up being, right? You're, you're, you're just here to protect Ellie. Like that's, that's who you are as a protagonist or uh, as Joel, like you're, you're here to protect her. Um, and then, I don't know, it just, it, it, it makes it look, it, it, it makes it stand out from Uncharted, all those other games. Every that have game just, of 2008 yeah. to 2012. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and, well, they were even talking about it. Yeah. From like a gender point of view too, like showing yeah. a girl on the front of the case. It, what was crazy was that in 2012, when they were game testing this, the game testers or the, the, the company that the third party company that, that Naughty Dog uses to, to test games or Sony uses, uh, they only gave it out to men. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so they were getting some stuff back and whatever they were looking at stuff. And they were, then they were looking at the demographics and it just was like males ages 18 to 34 or whatever it was. And Neil Druckmann company were like, uh, can we have it for women too? <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you just testing males? Like uh, I, uh, they, they said like, I, it's like a bygone era, like really weird that they hmm. were doing that. So I think this, this just kind of, motivate them even more to be like no no we we need to have ellie on the cover yeah it hasn't hurt the sales of the game obviously it's one of sony's best-selling games it's one of the critically most acclaimed games of all time i i mean box art of video games does have to be good but i really don't think it always matters a the gender or which character you pick to be on the front if the character is prominent in the game and it makes sense in the story like it makes sense for ellie to be front and center in the game she's she is the protagonist joel is not the protagonist of these games as much as people want him to be he isn't um, so it wouldn't make sense for him to be the hero on the front because he's he's not a hero. Exactly. So uh, it would have been one of the first times where the villain is kind of like the main prominent character. I don't know if he's the, the villain. He's not the villain. I mean, like everyone's a villain in this game. He's like an anti-hero, I guess would be the best uh, best word to describe him. That does um, lead in well to what my last kind of point that I want to make before we, sure. we close it out and talk mm-hmm. about future and everything. Obviously, we do recommend this game, so we don't need to. <laughs> well, don't... no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but. What I thought was really interesting about this game, mentioning villains, was the fact that there's no big bad in this game. There's no plot point where it's like, this is the big bad that you have to fight. This is what it's all leading up to. And that's a huge, almost risk for a studio. Like, imagine, I just imagine Sony seeing this, you know, they had just uh, produced all these uh, Uncharted games with Naughty Dog too, which are, are great games, but they're, they're, they are a bit more cookie cutter in terms of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of how the plot line goes and everything. And it's, uh, you know, it's a treasure seeker kind of game, treasure mm-hmm. hunter game. But for Last of Us, yeah, there's, there's no big bad, there's no specific villain, there's no specific big boss fight to work towards that you feel is coming. Even, even when you're playing it, you you know that something is going to happen to you guys like something's going to break you up something's going to happen to to make you i guess fight hard for ellie or who who knows what you don't really know what it is but it, mm-hmm. it's it's a big risk i think to to really have a game where there is not this one last boss fight kind of kind of style yeah i mean it's what video games eventually kind of became like they started off as being you know small boss, small boss, small boss, big boss. This one isn't that. And you're right. There isn't like the, the whole world is kind of meant to be the, uh, the antagonist, I yes. guess it's not yes. really one specific person. I guess you could say the fireflies are kind of like the, the antagonist to you at least throughout sure. the game. 
Um, but yeah, you're right. There isn't like this mustache twirling person in a, in a tower mm. that you're kind of running towards to, to, to beat. You know, you're trying to level yeah. up to beat this big robot at the end of the game, which would have been... Like a Resident Evil, you know? Exactly. Like, I'm really yeah. glad that they didn't... I think that they tried to stay away from ending the game with a giant uh, infected fight. There's obviously a couple of bloaters in the game that you have to fight. There's There's hordes of clickers that you have to fight, but there isn't like a giant worm or something crazy like that, which is what it would be if this was a resident evil game, but it yes. isn't, it yes. tries to remain relatively grounded. And just like life, not everything has to end with a giant boss fight at the end. It's more, would have been better to have had the, the boss quote unquote, big ending to have been that decision at the end. But instead it's what the storytellers wanted you to experience, which was Joel killing the surgeon and then stealing Ellie and taking her back to, uh, to Tommy's little village there, uh, mm-hmm. which is where, uh, we find them at the beginning of The Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. but Mike, that brings me to my next question for you. I wanted to ask, what do you think is the future of The Last of Us? Um, obviously, Sony and Naughty Dog are going to continue to remaster and remake all of these uh, two games that we've seen. Uh, <laughs> what six different versions of the two games at this point? It's only been ten years. We now have an HBO show. Uh, season two, I think, is scheduled to come out in early or late twenty, sometime in twenty twenty five. Um, but when it comes to video games, uh, if we see a last of us part three, what do you think it's going to be? Cause I, for me, I, I, I would really like to see, a, I, I know we're going to see Ellie. We're going to have to see her a third time, which is fine, but I would really like to see what is going on in the rest of the world through all this. Like, I'd love to see a different country like Europe or somewhere in Asia, go to Japan, Sure. Uh, nothing in North America probably, but I would love to see what happened everywhere else, either 20, 30 years after the, um, the outbreak or even seeing what happened right at the outbreak. I think that all of that would be really cool. I would love to explore different eras and different parts of the world of the last of us. Uh, I don't think we're going to see all that since naughty dog are, they obviously can't make games that quickly. So they have to be really, really specific about what they do make, but that's where I would like to see. I would like to see just a different part of the world. Give me a different mm-hmm. story, different characters, um, different set of circumstances. But how about you? What would you like to see from uh, from The Last of Us world? That's a good question. Um, it, it's it's hard to predict because yeah, it is funny because we are getting the uh, remastered or remade, whatever you want to call it, version of Last of Us Part uh, 2 uh, coming out in January, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another, another remaster. Yep. Um, and I think that is going to include a bunch more multiplayer and all those factions that they've been trying to push for a while um, as... as pushing the last of us as a as a multiplayer game uh, which which it makes sense for for sure uh just not with the main characters but um neil Druckmann has been pretty adamant at least for him that last of us part two is the end of that story now and i hope he's right because i think that story should end there i don't think there should be anything after but i do like what you're saying about uh, going to a different country, going somewhere else, seeing stuff during or like before, because there's a, you know, it's a 20 year gap, right? Between, mm-hmm. um, uh, between when Ellie, uh, or when Joel finds Ellie and when Joel loses Sarah. So, uh, I would love to see stuff happen in that 20 year gap. I would love to maybe even have young Joel and Tommy, uh, go on some missions together and stuff maybe 10 years before or something. I think there's a lot of space to work in, in that 20 years. So I think, that's where they will stay because as long as Neil Druckmann's running it, I can't see him doing anything. Uh, Last of Us Part Three. That's that's past that journey. He's. I think he was really adamant how he wanted to end it. Maybe when he's gone, <laughs> they'll change yeah. it. Uh, but uh, I, I can definitely see them hanging out in that twenty year space. I would also like to see Naughty Dog make a new uh, IP 
Like I, it's sure. been yeah. it's been twenty years of making Uncharted and Last of Us. As much as I love both of those franchises, I would like to see them. Don't put them back on Jack and Daxter. I hate hearing people say, let's get a Naughty Dog Jack and Daxter. Like, do you really want these people making Jack and Daxter again? <laughs> like, are you, are you crazy? Um, anybody else can do Jack and Daxter. Give it to exactly. THQ Nordic. Uh, let them make something new. I would like to see them do something like in sci-fi or something. I think that would be awesome. Um, but Mike, the obvious game we're forgetting is that they need to make Last of Us Kart Racer. That's the obvious oh, answer. Of course. How did yeah. I forget? That's the obvious answer. But Michael, I'm sitting here waiting for the Last of Us Kart Racer to finally come out on the PlayStation 6. Why don't listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 40 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? On episode 40, Neil, we are uh, going from a bit of a bleak topic here with The Last of Us to a fun one, which is Woo. snacks from the 90s <laughs> and 2000s. We love talking about 90s and 2000s things. We've talked about some some of our favorite... Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> toys? Fa- toys. That's the one. SpongeBob. Yeah, uh, SpongeBob. We've talked about some of our favorite toys from the 90s and 2000s. We're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, f- uh, foods and snacks. Uh, fruit roll-ups will definitely be on there for me, for sure. Maybe some kangaroos. Uh, uh, th- or kangaroos. Kangaroos. <laughs> we eat kangaroos here in Canada. <laughs> Only in the late 90s. But <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a great time talking about some of uh, our favorite snacks from that era. It's going to be a good time. Snacks are near and dear to every child's heart and near and dear to my heart, too. I am very nostalgic for many of the childhood snacks that I'm sure everyone out there are thinking of. Of course, Gushers were the currency of the schoolyard back in the late Mm. 90s. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I've got a little list going already. We're going to talk about our favorites, so maybe our least favorites, maybe some that are overrated. Uh, It's going to be a great time. Mike and I both love snacks, so stay tuned for that. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 39 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcasts podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better and if you're a spotify listener please keep writing in with the new q a feature you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool supporters at the five dollar level get to submit and vote on our monthly patreon elected episode you can follow us on instagram facebook and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel share us with your friends and family tell tommy mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later tommy bye-bye joel The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. So who would be the S tier character for a car racer? Ooh, what would they be? Even be driving like horses and stuff. So the S tier best one. Well, they got they got they got buses and it's got to be Bill. Pickup trucks. I feel like Bill's got to be it. Mm, that's true. Bill Bill's got a whole garage yeah. of stuff. He'd be he'd be tinkering. He'd be out of yeah. Everyone one. else is just running because he's the only one who has stuff. Because of course, as we learned, he's <laughs> the uh, he prepared. <laughs> he prepared. <laughs>